Hello and welcome to Bunta Vista, episode 181. <clears throat> I am Dr. Theo and I'm here to talk to you about the NQE sleep system. What if I told you that billions of people use the NQE sleep system to catapult themselves into the day ahead as if fired from a manganel or an uh, onanaja? You'd be pretty interested, right? But you might ask, Dr. Theo, are you a real doctor? Well, yes, I am a real doctor with a real PhD on siege weapons from the dark to early Middle Ages. And it was during this PhD that I developed the NQE sleep system. Well, stop teasing. What is the NQE sleep system, I hear you ask? NQE stands for not quite enough sleep. Mon scientists <laughs> are still discovering benefits to this system. Unlike other sleep systems which require you to get a full eight hours of sleep every night, all the NQE sleep system requires is for you to get six six and a half hours each and every night. It's enough to get up and go to work each and every day. The benefits are endless. You'll get an extra hour or two of scrolling on your phone mindlessly every night, decent cardiovascular health, and the feeling of never being fully awake or rested at any point in your entire fucking life. I'll give you an example. So the other night, after dinner, and after putting my baby to sleep, I wanted to play some Death Stranding. But I knew that I'd have to get up to soothe Finn several times throughout the night, and he'd also be awake at 5am. This caused tension in my mind, like the action of a now-defunct tension catapult, a holdover technology from the original Roman Empire. So, how did I manage it? Well, I utilised the not-quite-enough-sleep system to simply play Death Stranding until 10pm, then go to bed and scroll on my phone until finally falling asleep at 11pm. The system is simply that flexible, easy, and it will make you feel like shit every waking moment. Uh, I'm here with a couple of my customers. I'm not allowed to use the word patience since someone knocked me out to the AMA. Uh, Andrew, you're a professional with a full-time job, two young children, and a podcasting commitment, yet you still find the time to watch every single movie ever released. How has the NQE sleep system helped you? I'm, I'm sorry, one? Yeah, Are so... You yeah, so you're watching. Okay, so you haven't. You've got all the stuff to do. You haven't slept enough. How does it? How is it helping you? I guess um, to be alive. Oh, it's 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 pretty good. I'm sorry. I was just looking at something on my phone. Yeah, I'm not sure why I started looking at it. No, that and that is a benefit. Um, you will you will learn to synthesize information from multiple sources at the yeah. same time. Yeah, and I'll catch up on even more of that at about twelve forty-five a.m. Uh, yep. tonight. And if you need a little extra rest time, just feel free to zone out like two thirds of the way through this podcast as well and just stare at the wall <laughs> for a bit. That's what I've been doing. Um, and Ben, I know you've been using the NQE sleep system for years, doing bar shifts at night, but then getting up and jogging around the glorious Brisbane riverfront at 8am. How do you feel about not quite enough sleep? I used to sleep pretty okay, but then I switched to the NQE sleep system, which means that I get home at two in the morning after <laughs> having closed the bar. And then I keep waking myself up throughout the entire night because I have sleep apnea, but I can't be fucked using my machine. I sure. feel like shit all the time. <laughs> and I feel like a character in the movie Waking Life, not quite experiencing the things that I see and not being able to fully develop thoughts about them. Mm. That's, it sounds like you're truly using the NQE sleep system to its greatest potential. Um, and unlike the increasingly massive and complicated trebuchets of the early Middle Ages, the NQE sleep system doesn't require a team of engineers several days to employ. Uh, you can perform it yourself every night until the day you die tired. So send me money today.
Welcome to Punta Vista. You're here with the Sleepy Boys. Oh, I am. It's so good to be. I <laughs> mean, good to be, good to be partially <laughs> alive. I don't want to get to you know. We don't have to scrutinize that wonderful intro all that much. I just kind of have. Uh, I'm I'm curious as to what came first, uh, relating your experience as a new parent who's really not sleeping at the moment. Or having the character relating that experience, being an expert in siege weaponry. Well, so you see, Ben, I'd, I'd been reading the Wikipedia pages <laughs> to a lot of siege weaponry at the time. And it's sort of that kind of wide net that I cast every mm. intro that I do that uh, brings you these new and interesting combinations of uh, things that I do. Yep. And I love those. It's kind of like a character, but it's sort of like an sort of like uh, like exaggerated version of me. Oh, you're sort of like uh, the guys in The Trip. Yeah, or like um, the girls in Girls. Huh. Or uh, Tim Heidecker in The Comedian. Hmm. Or the Neil Hamburger guy in... I'm oh, sorry, The Comedy. It's not called The Comedian. Or the Neil Hamburger guy in that movie from the same guy that directed The Comedy that's about a guy who is basically Neil Hamburger. I think it's called Neil Hamburger, The Movie. Yep, <laughs> and it's really fun. It's a lot of laughs. Be sure to mm-hmm. check that one out. Theo, uh, as a parent myself, let me just say, there is relief in sight. And you will potentially be having sporadic nights of unbroken sleep in as little as five years. Oh, so you hell can, yeah. You can look forward to that. That's my five-year plan is sleep. <laughs> I know. Hey, my five-year plan is also sleep, but <laughs> I'm talking about the damn band. That's true. I'm that's, still going to be listening to the same music in five years. I was going to say, oh, this is much more than you, a five-year plan. I remember when I was like 28 and I read there's a, a study that's like pretty much your your tastes in like film, music, all that kind of thing solidify by about the age 32. And I'm like, well, there's no way that will happen to me. <laughs> yep. And here you are listening and to Ocean Size. O- Ocean Size again. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen to some new music again. Uh, new music or Ocean Size. Uh, ocean Size again. Oh, I feel like you have to stretch your brain to accommodate new music, whereas listening to old music, very easy. And it's very nice. Easy and on you the know brain. that you like it. Yeah. It's like slipping into a old, holy, cum-stained pair of track pants. Yeah. That you enjoy because of the cub. Well, I feel like it's just there, but... It's part of the charm. Part of the charm. So this is how I feel about movies, though. This is how I feel about, like, um, we you know, know. Throwing, throwing on Mark Wahlberg's shooter <laughs> no, for the 17th time. but you watch, like, a million fucking movies every week that are new that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Although I did also, um, I have been, like, going through and replacing older copies of movies with, like, oh, ni- sure. nice, crispy 1080p versions of stuff, you know? I mean, you got that Wonder Woman 1984 sitting there on your Plex, just got added, I saw that. No, I don't. That's, I log into that legitimately through HBO Max, is that what you got to watch it yeah. on? <laughs> and uh, let me tell you this, not great, not great Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, absolutely That's... certain that wasn't on your Plex, I could have sworn I saw it on there. No, couldn't be me. That's what you meant to say now, I think. I, I don't know. I'm not really keeping up with that sort of thing. Hmm. Wonder Woman, 1984, recently added. It's the fourth most <laughs> recently added movie on your Plex. I'm looking at it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Wonder Woman, 1984. Uh, they had the first movie and everybody said, wow, strong uh, female-led uh-huh. action movie. 
Time and to then, make 1,983 more of these. Well, no, instead uh, they said, what if uh, Patty Jenkins, director of the first one, directed the second one, and also for some reason wrote the story in the screenplay herself? Um, and now in this movie, Wonder Woman's greatest enemy of all is not having a boyfriend. That seems to, to be the main oh, driver of the plot. so it's a tale about human connection. But also there's a lady that turns into a furry. Is that not also her enemy? Yeah, Kirsten Wiig I've seen that in the trailer. Turns into, does eventually turn into a CGI furry. Mm. That's, that's pretty cool. Well, she's a furry before and after the CGI. <laughs> just out I believe of, the CGI the is suit. her first suit. <laughs> yes, sorry, you're absolutely right. The, the furry is a way of living, not necessarily. You're not just a furry while you're in the suit. Hey, here's another relatively new movie that I watched. Cats. I watched the musical Cats. How high were you when you watched it? Very. And, <laughs> and uh, so I watched it with wife of the show, my wife, Eleanor, because um, she loves musicals. Um, I, I like musicals as well. I have no problem with a musical. This one, however, what the is, fuck? What we, the so fuck? We did that screening of it for 2-Bit where we did like a, you know... You're allowed to yell shit at the screen. A rowdy screening, if you will. A mm -hmm. rowdy cats. And, like, it was fun enough. A lot of screaming happened. But, like, also just watching it, I just had a very strong feeling of being like, this is just not bad in a fun way. Like, it's not... You're not laughing at the goofs. You're just like, oh, ugh, oh. The whole time you're watching it. You're yeah. looking at these horrible beasts and just thinking, really? You didn't... So, so, so like I said, like, I... I like musicals. I like musical theatre. I think that these things are fine and fun and everything. I don't um, endorse that position, but... Uh, that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. But, like, so so I was, I was having the simultaneous problems while watching this of, number one, the sensory bombardment of the film itself, which is... For some reason, it's the same guy who directed the um, the the Les Mis adaptation with Hugh Jackman, um, and apparently there were like technical problems on that where he just said, "Hey, fuck it, let's just let you guys uh, sing along to a little earpiece, and I'll have the orchestra record their own backing to it later," uh, which caused all kinds of issues. In this movie, he had some kind of similar problems where he said. I'm just going to get everybody to put on, like, uh, morph suits with some little motion capture things on. And then we will completely add in 100% of the fur-based costumes. We'll fix it in post. Special yeah, it's a real, effects, we'll fix it in post movie. Everything. Um, and, and the effect of it is just... It, it's, it's the most uncanny valley thing I have ever seen. And that includes the Wayne Brothers movie Little Man. Uh, where they spend the entire film superimposing Marlon Wayans' face onto a variety of different sized people. This this has that effect because the, the costumes, like, they, they seem separate from the faces of the people that they're on. Just terrifying stuff. The, the perspective and scale shifts constantly. Like, um, you know, the cats will be sort of half the size of a queen-sized bed, and then all of a sudden they're, like, dancing on railroad tracks as though they were 20 centimetres high. Just, just wildly bad stuff. But it's also very notable for being apparently the first movie where not only did they say, we'll fix it all in post, 
But they tried to fix it post-release. Yeah, they patched it. They rolled out a patch. They patched that movie. They were like, oh, there's shots where, like, uh, you can just see... fur missing. You you can just see Judy Dench's normal hands uh, with, like, a watch on, you know? (laughs) Yeah, people were just looking at it and saying, it just just looks like it's not finished, you know? It's weird, just uh, thinking about, is how good... A similar sort of thing that they had to do for the film Kung Pao came out. Uh huh. You know and how they Kung- put they were putting human faces onto fo- like nineteen seventies martial arts film footage. This was and in the early two thousands. Seamless. Looks so great. much better. So much better. But um, so so I was dealing with that. I was dealing with that happening to my brain while also just trying to follow along like the actual musical, and so. I was just having my mind torn apart by watching this and also trying to follow the plot and realizing that this is a musical that has been extremely successful for decades and decades. Theatre people love cats. The entire... I, I turned to my wife at some point and said, am I correct in understanding that this entire musical is just a procession of cats coming out and explaining deep cat lore to the audience. I would said, say even yes. just introducing themselves. They introduce themselves and then they, in in very confusing ways, sort of try to explain, I guess, what's going on, which is that uh, what, what, every now and then a cat gets chosen to like ascend to cat heaven. Yeah. Based yes. upon the personal properties of the cat. Yeah. So you, you come out and you say, hey... It's me. I'm the train cat. Hmm. I have mm-hmm. a soul, by the way. And, and I wish to be released from this plane of existence immediately. I have done everything it could possibly offer me. Uh, please let me go to cat heaven, please. Uh, so, worst part of the movie is uh, our country's own Rebel Wilson. Oh, my God. No offense to Rebel Wilson, but... we're um, done with Rebel Wilson. That's it. Society has moved beyond the need for (laughs) Rebel Wilson. For Rebel Wilson. I would say there's only so many times someone can fall over and then say, my bad, Mm. and then have that be the joke. Yeah, I bruised my vagina. Woozle, wazzle. No, my... Woozle, My actual complaint is just that she is very clearly not in any way, shape, or form a trained dancer or singer. And it's it's just very bad overall. Best part of the movie is uh, Idris Elba saying "meow" and <laughs> and then disappearing in a puff of smoke. And this has been Born to Vista, where you can uh-huh. get such scorching takes as uh, "cats bad" <laughs> and Rebel Wilson not great. It's bad. Like like I, I had had that movie sitting there for a while and thinking, yeah, I should watch that. You know, I hear it's I hear it's very bad. I had no idea. I couldn't prepare myself. Whereas I just go, I hear it's very bad. And that's it. I'm on to the next thought. Huh. Yep. My player, Skoda. <laughs> scrolling on. <laughs> sc- <laughs> scrolling on to the next thing. So and the next thing. Skoda. <laughs> so that's what's been going on in Australia. Uh, important news <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> Sorry, which but, part of that was the news? <laughs> Theo having Theo trouble sleeping. Theo bought a Skoda. 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 Theo bought a Skoda. Uh, how's it handle, Theo? 
Yeah, it's good. I've got it in eco mode. I put that in. It has. <laughs> it's the one with the um. It, so I got it second hand. It's got a little uh, green didn't leaf. Ask for it, but it has the sports package, and uh, so I immediately took it out of that uh, through drive into eco, and it's sitting in eco mode. So nice and smooth. No sh- no frights. No anything. That sweet <laughs> sweet fuel economy, uh, and roomy. So uh, I can fit a, a pram in my car now. You can fit all your baby accessories. All so my baby accessories, which are pram, baby seat, and baby. Mm. So there's that news. There's, a lot of people forget the baby. There's me watching Wonder Woman 1984 and Cats. Um, yep. Ben, any any important news from your perspective? Um, no. No. Okay, so we're all caught up on Australian news. Uh, which means we should cast our eyes afield, afar, across whatever ocean it is. Yeah, I feel like most people know what ocean that is, but yeah. go on. Really, take a guess. Give us your top three of which oceans you reckon it might be. America's ocean. <laughs> Number I mean, one, the Dead Sea. <laughs> okay, let's try again. <laughs> oh, no. Moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going across the Indian Ocean, and then from there, I'm going across... <laughs> Mm. Honestly, it could be any of them, and and here's the trick: they all kind of join up. So, isn't it just one ocean? You've lived on the east coast of Australia your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. So you've really only ever been around the one ocean. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Mm-hmm. So they're having a, they've had a little trouble. What I would describe as a, a little trouble in, in in America, would you call it? What, how would you ca- cla- classify it, Ben? How would you characterize it? Uh, I mean, they've just been in a never-ending sort of muck of trouble for the last, well, I mean, for the last 200 and whatever years. But, I mean, the last year was a particularly gruelling one. And really, it was a confluence of two things, right? Um, You had the advent of the novel coronavirus, which the US just decided to take a sort of, let's see what high score we can get on this machine kind of approach to, <laughs> which has been really great. Uh, then they thought, well, let's see what high score we can get before we get the vaccine. Somehow tricking themselves into believing that the moment the vaccine was approved, their problems would be over, despite the fact that the vaccine was started rollout a couple of weeks ago. And I think just yesterday or the day before, they hit 4,000 deaths a day, um, which is pretty fucking cool. But also, uh, there's a little orange Cheeto in the White House. Damn. And he doesn't want to leave that White House at all. Why would you? Free food. (laughs) Do you reckon that's the thing that's keeping him... He's like, oh, man, I'm going to have to pay someone to make my meals now. Well, I mean, just for me personally. What do you reckon the deal is? If you're the president, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you've got the, the White House kitchen at your disposal. There's a team of highly trained chefs or whatever in there. Is this like a thing where you wake up in the morning and you say, these are the three meals I'd like to have today, and you name any food in the world and they'll make it for you? Or, even though you're the president, you're getting like a set menu every day? Oh, that'd suck. I'd be so mad. What do you reckon? Could you just be like, uh, I would like jambalaya today? I'm like, okay. I'm going to give you one of the world's top ten jambalayas uh, by 6pm. I, I think that they would probably meet your requests through a number of means, I think that there is probably a kitchen on site where they could prepare a variety of things. But if you were to say, 
I want a delicious jambalaya, they might just whip out the old, like, Uber Eats. Mm, but put it on a plate and give you some fancy colouring and stuff. Yeah, and, and we've seen that uh, Mr. Mr. Drumpf... Huh? Huh? Who? Sorry, Donald... Donald... Donald Trump? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry, yes. Yep. Uh, we've seen that he likes to be handed a nice shiny platter with some artfully arranged McDonald's on it. So, That's true. You know, Got that plate with the KFC on it when he was on that plane that one time that was eaten with a knife and fork. Oof. Very strange. Sometimes uh, he likes to eat some ethnic food like a taco bowl. <laughs> oh, the best Mexican food in the world made in Trump Tower. <laughs> oh, boy. I, but yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that thing where um, there's like a... The president has a sort of personal cinema in the White House, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the the movies they choose to watch are in the public record. So, you can sort of look at like every movie Nixon watched during his presidency or whatever. But it's a thing where they just say, hey, I'd like to watch this movie. And then someone just sort of sorts that out for them. Which is my relationship with you, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for this 1930s film I can't find anywhere else. And then magically, it ends up on your Plex. That is quite and now good. this is in the public record. And now it's in the public record. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think he just requests to watch like the scene with him in it from, from Home Alone 2 over and over? Or Yeah, probably. Reruns that, of um, The Apprentice? That story about how he, uh, he was being profiled by, I think it was maybe The New Yorker or something. And he was on the plane watching... Uh, Bloodsport, which is one of the greatest movies of all time, but he had his then, like, child-aged son, Donald Jr., fast-forwarding through the bits that weren't fight scenes. <laughs> See, everybody <laughs> laughed at that, but, you know, no, I can't, I can't every, identify. There is no fat in that movie. Every <laughs> single minute is fucking amazing. Every single piece of dialogue in that movie is extraordinary. I would skip a second of it. Yeah, it's true. So, anyway, there was an armed insurrection um <laughs> Capitol building. Insurrection. Uh, yeah, we've, we've basically had the culmination of the last four years of uh, everybody getting very acclimatized to the president saying whatever the fuck he wants all the time uh, and none of it mattering. Uh, everybody constantly uh, looking around at each other and saying uh, from all levels of government, hey, someone should do something. Uh, can he say that? <laughs> Yes. Yes, he can. Excuse me, Mr. President? (laughs) The CIA just making, like, uh, shooty gun kind of movements over there and then, like, looking quizzical. Like, you want want it? I mean, uh, (laughs) should we sort that up? Can we just... We've done it before. We've got... I mean, we just roll out the same action plan. We'll get him down to Dallas. It's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) We got a guy. (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs) We had a guy. We've got a new guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Hey, who wants Last to guy be- left very good documentation. So. <laughs> we had a guy. Any volunteers for new guy? Nobody? Nobody? So, um, so look, I'm sure that everybody has heard all of this extensively covered uh, through American media and all your favorite yeah. podcasts and all that and, kind of thing. And also, it's now like 10 or 11 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, by the time that this comes out, uh, several hours from now... The entire world will have shifted on its axis. So once again, who care? <laughs> we well, we were going to say some <laughs> stuff about it. So I guess no, who care? Let's just who care. care. <laughs> no. 
So, um, so we wanted to provide the perspective that we normally do, which is that of Australia's finest minds, Australia's um, most beautiful and special columnists and politicians, um, who are here to, I guess, for the last several years, it's been to offer their undying support and pledges of loyalty for Donald Trump. Um, but we are also observing a bit of what we're seeing in America, which is people saying, you know, 10 days out from Biden's inauguration, uh, when Donald Trump is finally 100%, uh, 100%, you know, f- locked into losing power. Ah, I never liked him anyway. Which is the, the bravest kind of conviction you can show, I think. Yeah, is when it doesn't matter at all to finally take a stand. Time to finally ban him on Twitter, you know? I, I enjoyed watching all of, all of that business with oh, Twitter. Oh, fun. Just seeing a lot of, like, uh, just the worst fucking conversations of people being like, right, we have to have strong principles about these things. If we ban the president, we could ban anyone, which they do all the time for mm-hmm. completely arbitrary reasons. They ban other countries' presidents. That's... <sighs> but yes, I mean, there are a wide variety of views on... Uh, how people feel about him being banned from Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously, there is the view that I'm sure we all agree with that it's not good that we leave so much of this public conversation to companies like Facebook and Apple and Twitter as to what is permissible in a public context. Absolutely, yep. But I would also argue that that would maybe not be so much of an issue if the president of the United States were not, like, as addicted to Twitter as, <laughs> as like, a 26-year-old marketing professional. Um, the, like, I don't know, I, I, f- I feel like the, the way people talk about it, it... The way people talk about it is as though that's the only way for the president to communicate with the world... And it's it's shocking that he's been removed from it, whereas the actual conversation should be, why is this the only way that the President of the United States wanted to communicate with the world? That seems like the actual issue at the crux of it. Well, because, you know, when you when you go on TV and all that, you've got speechwriters involved, they can edit it, they do all this stuff. This is just raw. This is straight from the top of the dome. <laughs> Just, just he's freestyling? Is that yeah. what you're saying? He's roaring his dome. Yeah. He's, he's just <laughs> firing off posts about all the haters and losers that can suck his shit, you know? And that's It would be amazing if throughout the presidency he had kept tweeting in the same way that he did before he was president oh. as well. Although things where he'd just be like, Shut up, fuckhead to people. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, he did he did love firing off a few of those, didn't he? Truly legendary poster. Uh, RIP to his account. So, we thought we might check in with some Australian columnists here, see what's going on. Um, first up, we have sleepy idiot turtle, Gerard Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> right? Katamari of dry skin <laughs> ro- rolled up onto insiders. It's Katamari dermatitis. <laughs> oh. Katamari dermatitis. Oh, my God. Please feel free to pause the podcast at this point and Google Gerard Henderson. See what we're talking about here. Um, now, Gerard, finger always on the pulse, you know? He's, he's yep. right there. Um, he's, ready to, he's ready to give it to us just 
the whole the whole tomato. He's dealing it out. Shooting the straight shot. So What do we got? Here was an article entitled Democrats put Congress in the grip of cancel culture. That doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> no. Ah. No meaning whatsoever. It's just a series of sounds. Now, this is probably something on the very important events that are going on that we've just sort of alluded to. Yeah, well, let's see what Gerard has to say. Let's hear it for the aunts and uncles of recent memory. If Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the US House of Representatives, has her way, they are destined to be termed a, quote, parent sibling. On New Year's Day, Pelosi introduced a resolution into the House setting out rules for the 117th Congress. Section 2 includes changes to the standing rules. During the next two years, new gender-inclusive language will outlaw... Outlaw? Outlaw. You, nope. will, you will be shot in the street. Yep. <laughs> will outlaws... <laughs> We're going to bring you to mob justice. It will outlaw such terms as father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, and so on. They will be replaced by... <gasps> Parent, child, sibling, parent, sibling. It's easy to make fun of such rules and wonder what will become of the likes of Mother's Day and Father's Day. It's nothing. It's nothing, Jared. There's, there's nothing. I'm pretty sure it's just that. like a fucking style guide as well. That's right. Like, it's nothing's going to happen. Shut the fuck up, you old piece of shit. So, so far, this is completely identical to the huge fuss that there was recently in the Australian media about mm-hmm. like a, f- a four-year-old writing guide from from the abc i think um oh no it was just a or was that just a, a guide for like language to use like internally in the office and it basically just said like hey if you're talking to someone um don't assume that their like partner or husband or whatever is the opposite sex to them because yep. that's that's not the deal for everybody and that was it that's yep. it and uh we had to have an entire media cycle on it Uh, However, this action is a strike at the ordinary language of Americans. So, uh, just playing along at home here, fire up DuckDuckGo uh, and put in (laughs) which country does Gerard Henderson live in? Mm -hmm. Uh, No doubt the gesture will go down well in San Francisco with a Democrat liberal in the American sense of the term. Mm, Again, he has to put that in there because he's uh, he's Australian. Doesn't live there. Doesn't live there. Uh, leftist Pelosi Not a thing, not leftist (laughs) Lives in luxury inside a gated community Okay, that is a good That's a good criticism But it is likely to be opposed by most Americans And not just the 74 million Who voted for President Donald J. Trump Last November It doesn't matter, it's Congress, it's a style guide Who gives a shit Yep, Uh, he then goes on to do several paragraphs About how, really, when you think about it The election was actually pretty close As of January 20th, the Democrats will control two of the three arms of the U.S. government, the White House and Congress, but conservatives will continue to outnumber liberals in the nine-member U.S. Supreme Court. Consequently, the U.S. remains a politically divided nation, as witnessed by pro-Trump protesters storming the Capitol building on Thursday. Oh, there's something else going on, is there? So just just slides that in there as a little aside, uh, as witnessed by pro-Trump protesters storming the Capitol building on Thursday, AEDT. With the Democrats' current majority in the House and maybe in the Senate threatened at the November 2022 midterm elections. In view of this, it does not seem politically wise for Pelosi to be setting about to change the English language usage from the top down. So, really, just finger on the pulse, laser focused on the really mm-hmm. important stuff happening in American politics really right now. getting to the, to the grid of, of things here that, uh, you know... Yeah. 
massive unemployment. The uh, coronavirus has caused a downturn in the economy, which loses you know, people's jobs in turn, losing their, their health insurance, which is really bad when you've got a massive fucking pandemic going on. All of this is truly at the core of uh, America's uh, entire mechanism for for you know, everything, healthcare, government. Um, truly, I think not important next to them changing the way that Congress uh, uses their words. Whether or not you can say uncle. Uncle. Hmm. And uh, yeah, just just completely skipping over the uh, president incited riot in the Capitol building that has now left five people dead, uh, including a police officer. That's, yeah, that happened. That's just a symptom of the politically divided country, obviously caused by mm-hmm. this language guide. Uh, they got this. They got which the has news. The, obviously caused. <laughs> I could see now that the riot was caused by this language guide that has not been introduced yet. <laughs> all the all the patriots are at home refreshing uh, the page where the uh, resolutions get published for Congress, um, and they've they've read it. They've gone. They've read it from top to bottom. Uh, understood it and gone, oh, it's time to march on the nation's capital. Oh, boy. Uh, Pelosi's language director for the House's latest act in what has been called the left's cancel culture. Yeah, well, you're you. calling it, it that. By you, it's you're doing calling that. It. Yeah, That's don't it. fucking try and make that a voiceless, like, unattributed, oh, other people are saying it's cancel culture. Mm. I wouldn't know about I'm it. I'm hearing from a lot that people are calling it exactly the thing I called it. It's you, the words on everyone's lips. You're hearing cancel it more culture. and more. We have become familiar with the demands of the left-wing activists to censor the written and spoken word by demanding that those with whom they disagree become silent on political and social issues. Give some, give some examples. Now this has been spread to what should be said on the floor of Congress and within the documents of the U.S. lower house. Not surprisingly, there has been opposition to Pelosi on this issue from within her own party. Former U.S. Representative Tulsi Gabbard. Mm, We're going to Tulsi Gabbard for a quick quote. Let's cross over to far right wing nut job Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, who happened to be on Fox News' Tucker Carlson. Huh. uh, When she criticized this. This week, British actor Rowan Atkinson gained international attention after he told the British magazine Radio Times that the cancelling of individuals was a threat not only to the victims of such censorship, but to the future of free speech itself. He added, It's important that we're exposed to a wide (laughs) spectrum of opinion. What we have now is the digital equivalent of the media mob roaming the streets looking for someone to burn. Is that... Your belief about how Rowan Atkinson sounds? No, that's how Mr. Bean sounds. Huh. Okay. He doesn't talk that much. That's true. You know, it's it's pretty rare to get a long pull quote from Mr. Bean in the newspaper. He mostly makes distressed noises. Oh. Every Things now and then. That nature. He's more of a single word kind of guy. Just for comedic effect. And I just want to kind of ask, do you guys remember the, the actual medieval mob that we had in Charlottesville? With the burning torches, the, torches, the Nazis, yep. uh, the kind of yeah, the Jews uh, white power sort of thing, uh, yeah. so, yeah, so yeah, on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just remembered that all no, of a it, sudden. It's actually when someone goes on the internet and says, uh, you are hey, cancelled, Ariel Pink or whoever. Mm-hmm. It's fucking... Uh, the thing that shits me off so much about this is like the same... You know how uh, conservatives are obsessed with using woke as a sort of fucking 
pejorative that's yeah, sort in a pejorative meaningless. Sense now. But like all of these words that came from like slang from people of color or were used largely by teens that have now become used by these weird 50 year olds with like dead seriousness. Like people would sarcastically say that someone had been cancelled because they like said something bad about One Direction. A bunch of 15 year olds would be like, you are cancelled. And now we've got Rowan Atkinson just fucking being like, oh, cancellation is the most serious problem we have. This shit is just not anything. It's so fucking dumb and such a waste of everyone's time and energy. Just the idea of people not liking some people is not new. No, and also, if you're a millionaire, multimillionaire or billionaire in the case of, you know, J.K. Rowling, and they're all mad because they can't get on and, and say, uh, well, I'd like to run over trans people with my, um, with my Lexus. <laughs> oh. um, if you have that kind of money, just get off the internet. Yeah. The only good millionaire, and please don't tell me that she sucks, um, is Enya, who escaped <laughs> to a castle where she lives with her cats. I don't even know if she has the internet. Oh, I maybe don't know. She's, maybe we should maybe look into Maybe she's got it. ISDN or something. Um, but, like, you've got better things to do. Yeah. You could do literally anything. Like, yeah, you every day of the of, week, you could absolutely. think of a new once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, so, the, the, the criticism of the, of the leftist woke warrior type of thing is always that, that people feel that they have this entitlement to have their you know, their personal views and opinions and stuff forcefully respected by other people. Yeah, when when in, in actual fact what they're doing is they're logging onto the internet every day uh, and saying something, uh, you know, against some marginalised people and then people are saying, hey, shut the fuck up. Shut up, British author J.K. Rowling. Shut up. And she doesn't. And then she goes and makes another billion dollars. When, I went out on a boat the other day and it was horrible. And <laughs> they had... Uh, when we were out there, I saw um, a a boat that detached a jet ski. Oh yeah, like um, the little like, a, the, like the jet ski drives up into it, or like drives a- up into it. And they're at the point where they they have enough money where they could stack like six or seven boats inside one another in a kind of matryoshka doll situation, right? And just see how many boats they can stack up, leading to you know the the super yacht that a, a normal yacht kind of pops out, and then mini yacht, and so on down. I don't really know what other kind of boats there are. They could do that instead of just logging on to the internet and and saying, uh, you know, how about those those gay people? Just do anything. Do anything else. No. Bye. <laughs> Jeeps and crash them into each other. Yeah. Buy like a dozen Jeeps and then buy an indoor soccer place. Mm-hmm. Invite a bunch of your friends buy around. Buy an indoor ice place. Even Go- better. Oh my God. Oh my fucking God. Buy an ice rink. Yeah. And a dozen Jeeps. Yeah. Get your friends on there. Fucking scoot around for an afternoon instead of being a transphobe. I've long maintained that were I wealthy enough, um, one of my personal hobbies would be to buy small businesses. Uh, and then run them myself, just being extremely rude to everybody who comes in until the business goes under. It's the dream. And then I and then I just close it down and buy another business. Sorry, this is something you have thought about for a long time. Yes, that's it's like you know if I win the Powerball kind of thing. <laughs> well, you just buy like a car rental place. Yeah, and like, then a, like just a, anytime someone's like, "Hey, um, I just need like a like a little four door sedan," if, and you're just like, if, "Fuck if, you." Yeah. You probably want a Skoda. Yeah, you would, you, you piece of shit. 
fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Check out this fucking moron. He's trying to get a compact. Throwing like uh, throwing mints from the little bowl on the counter at them as they walk out the door. <sighs> and this is M-I-N-C-E. what J.K. Rowling could be doing. What you could be doing with your time, you know? Could just be could just be in heaven. Could just be buying a news agent, uh, <laughs> stocking stocking every rack with like pornography. <laughs> yeah. Instead, every single one of these people are going on national TV or like nationally syndicated news and saying how terrible it is that they can't say what they want to say. It's like anyone that'll like will listen, they'll just pick up the phone and, and just go, hey, I can't say what I want to say, which is exactly this. And then they go and type it up and they put it in the newspaper and then people read the thing that they want to say and they go, oh, such a shame they can't say the thing that they want to say. They'll have, a, um, they'll have another interview in the Sydney Morning Herald or The Guardian about how they are being silenced. And they'll go on the project and they'll be given, like, a, the lightest grilling possible. Not even getting browned. Yep. No Mayard reaction happening whatsoever. Gerard continues, The problem in recent times is that the emergence of social media has facilitated the cancel culture. Those public figures who have recently challenged the leftist orthodoxy with respect to causes and expressions exhibit considerable intellectual and at times personal courage. Uh, you know that, that leftist orthodoxy we've experienced on the internet over the last you know five or six years that it's seen like literally um, the internet mobilized to elect Trump? I love logging onto the internet, the place where all leftists go to agree with each other. <laughs> Oh, God bless. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have the internet, by the way. I guarantee that he, he is not. Like, he uses an old Asus EE book um, and Internet Explorer 9 to check MSN. What's the fucking Microsoft homepage? Is it still MSN? I don't know if that's still Nine exists. MSN? Maybe. I think it's nine MSN now. God. Had the little green man and the butterfly. Yes. Mm. He's still on the green man and the butterfly. <laughs> he says... I assume he's dictating to this as someone with a typewriter yeah, and it's a yeah. flown by carrier pigeon to the News Corp headquarters. Uh, yet the likes of Atkinson, Julie Burchill, Jermaine Greer, Barry mm-hmm. Humphreys, Tony yep, Robinson uh-huh. and J.K. Rowling yep. are famous and wealthy enough to survive the current censorship. And why, and why are we putting all of them in the same sentence? I don't know. What's the what thing it, that's linked them? Yeah, what is it about uh, all of these people specifically? We'll probably throw John Cleese in there too. Uh, what is it about all these people specifically that has people saying to them, you seem like a like an unkind, bad person? Hmm. Which is, of course, as we know... the And we prefer if you stopped doing that. The, the brutal Orwellian cancellation that we've all come to witness. When people say, hey, could you not? Have you thought about not doing that? I can't believe I can no longer hear the extremely relevant opinions of Jermaine Greer. <laughs> or Barry Humphreys. Or Barry Humphreys. <laughs> what a loss. What a loss. Uh. This is the downfall. You know, like the uh, uh, PragerU graph of like culture uh, over time and going down. And I think the cancellation of Barry Humphreys is when it hit the x-axis. Um, yeah, not, not at all. Not at all coincidental that all of these people are just people who are famous in Britain and who spend their time saying, why should I have to be respectful of trans people? And that's basically it. Fortunately, Pelosi's language directive is yet to apply in Australia. Yeah, or anywhere. 
Anywhere or nowhere, it's, it's it's not applying anywhere. Yeah, when he says it's a style when he says guide as well, I can't stress that enough. Wh- when, fucking when he says, shit. when he says yet to apply in Australia, yeah, he's very there's <laughs> there's like there's some indication that he thinks that at some the point, implication is yep at some point inevitable. Nancy Pelosi's congressional language directive will apply to all of Australia. But stand by for the day when Graham Greene's Travels with My Aunt may be retitled Travels with My Parents' Sibling. Mm-hmm. Again, not, not no, the thing. I'm I don't pr- understand why that would apply to a, the title of a book. That's nonsense. Pretty, I hate this guy so much. I'm pretty and sure this he- is one of Australia's most respected political commentators, by the way. I just, I, I love to play this little game where we imagine how much this how person much? is paid. <laughs> it's so awful. Oh. Gerard Henderson is executive director of the Sydney Institute. Really getting their money's worth there, guys. That is, is a horror. Like, it's not a good name for a place, by the way. That's one of the places that you explore in Fallout 3. Um, yeah, and it's that's been of- overtaken by robot ghouls. Mm-hmm. Are you tired of paying nothing for the same old superior quality free episodes of the Bunta Vista podcast? Do you want less politics and more content about diarrhea or animals gone wild? Are you tired of skipping through those hours upon hours of paid product placement for Mark Wahlberg film Shooter? Well, boy, do I have the offer of a lifetime for you. That's right, for just five US dollars a month, you too can be a premium VIP member of the Bunta Vista Patreon. That's right, just five US dollars for all of our bonus episodes. That's over 300 hours of content from the hosts you know and definitely tolerate. I'll even throw in access to our glamorous and exclusive Discord server, where bizarre arguments only happen once or twice a week at most. Head to patreon.com slash buntavista. Sign up in the next five minutes and I won't know because that's not my job, but you'll be enjoying the sweet satisfaction of supporting us, and we will love you romantically for it. That's my promise to you. Uh, We also have an update here from uh, George Christensen, MP for Racism. And so he is a... Hey, I come from racism. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a terrible place. So, so he is a, uh, an MP from Queensland in the National Party, which is... Specifically from, from Mackay. <sighs> from Theo's beautiful hometown. Yep. Check out Mackay if you can. Yeah. It's in close proximity to some of the very nicest parts of Queensland and is not one of the nice parts of Queensland <laughs> no, go itself. On, go on down to the uh, jet ski arena they built. Um, several, um, oh. one kilometer from my from my house, uh, from my like childhood home. Did you say jet ski arena? Yeah. So what they did is they um, there was this big empty space that's like swampland that a train line goes through. Uh, it's coal, but I oh, know that's the sugar line, I think. And um, they dug a big hole in the ground, and they filled that hole with water. And they strung up lines, like, all the way around. Um, and it's for, like, water sports. And so you can... So, actually, I was wrong. It's not jet ski. It's just, a like, a powered ski arena. And you hold on to the lines and you go around around the circle. And this was enough of a, like, blow-your-mind attraction for them to uh, make it, like, a, um, a selling point in a bunch of, like upscale townhouses they also built around the gigantic mosquito oh. pit uh-huh. <laughs> what a beautiful place hmm. and of course they re-elected their beloved representative george christensen um who are you know we've talked about on this podcast in the past uh basically uh, 
big time uh, right wing racist psycho uh, has showed up at like um, you know alt right and far right nationalist rallies. He's been on like um, nationalist podcasts. Uh, he's he's done he's done the whole deal basically. Uh, extremely big on all of the anti-China stuff. Uh, extremely big on propagating uh, like COVID nineteen conspiracy theory stuff. Um, he's one of the people who's very into the whole uh, "Hey, you should be drinking this bleach instead of getting a vaccine" kind of thing. I believe they've been um, you know censoring and removing some of his f- Facebook posts recently, along with uh, Craig Kelly, another notorious dipshit. And so here's what he has to say about um, about the the riot at the Capitol. Here's my final comment on the situation in the USA. The left and the fake news media are a disgrace, and they're uh, hypocrites. Ah, uh, okay. You know, the fake news media. They have falsely claimed U.S. President Donald J. Trump incited violence yesterday. He didn't. He publicly called for, quote, peace and law and order. You remember, you remember that video the Trump posted, the last thing that he managed to get off on his Twitter account before he got suspended, uh, which was the video of him saying, hey, come on, come on, guys. I, yep. I know you're really mad, which you have every right to be due to the, the fake election stealing uh, the presidency from me, which we should all be trying to stop. And that's why you're here doing the Stop the Steal rally, which I asked you to come and do. And I'm very happy about um, But hey, you know, we've all got to just, hey, hey, we've all got to let this presidency thing happen, even though it's fake, even though it's fake and it got stolen and everything. Uh, but we can't do violence. Violence is bad. So cut, cut that out, I guess. They've taken this from you. They're trying to ruin your life. Yep. They should be destroyed. But please don't. Wink. Wink. Um, yeah, it's it's very funny like how much he clearly did not want to be saying that and that it was even it was like sandwiched between him just just being like oh you're right to do it though yeah you know yeah, i love like you you're very special doesn't want to doesn't want to eat his vegetables so he's allowed to eat uh, one bite of extremely well done steak mm-hmm. a single vegetable uh, and pouting the whole time and then another bite of very well done steak that's right Uh, He continues, they have also falsely claimed that a lawful protest from which a small percentage of protesters began a riot was a, quote, insurrection and a coup attempt. It wasn't. It was a mob vandalizing and illegally entering the U.S. Congress, not a coup or an insurrection. Why were they entering the Capitol building again? Why were they storming Congress? Trying to remember. Just going on a tour. Just checking it out. um, Was it anything to do with the whole... Trump saying the presidency has been stolen from me and if the vice president will not overturn the results, then you need to come to Washington and stop the certification of the election results. Was it anything to do with that? Or they wanted to look at some nice old paintings. Hmm. The left and the fake news media have a long track record of talking down violent protests until one is caused by Trump supporters. I don't really remember a lot of talking down the the protests from the media. Hmm. Uh, except for, like, I remember seeing um, it reported in um, On The Verge as, uh, you know, the violence being caused by the police and going, oh, 
that it's refreshing that's refreshing hmm. and that was the one time i saw it uh from from like media that could be considered somewhere in the in the center or in the mainstream um and, and of course, that's because that's what happens. So that's why the left were, were talking it down. It's because that's that's what happened. I mean, every time the the protesters went out, they were you know brutalized by by the police force who hold all the power in this relationship. Um, you know, the media um, would get um, less than lethal rounds shot at them. There are multiple multiple people who lost eyeballs um, from this. You know, and so on and so forth. So I, I guess it's probably the same as that though. Um, the, the what happened with. Uh, this mob. It's pretty much the same. Pretty pretty much the same um, where the cops sort of went, oh, it's going to be harder if we try and stop them from going in. And it's also a, a nice, just an, as an aside, it's a nice thought. And the DC police should absolutely be abolished, you know, no matter what. But it's a nice thought that it's just the DC police kind of standing out the front. Um, you know, one guy with his finger kind of exploring the inside of his ear <laughs> uh, going, uh don't really want to be here today. Oh, all these guys showed up. It's going to be harder for me if I if I don't stop them. So in you go. Uh, that's that's all that's sort of stopping. Pretty them? much. I would have thought that there'd be another like layer there. No, but it's nice to see all of this stuff kind of just get unwound uh, in our brains. Uh, George says, here's a smattering of their hypocrisy when it comes to Black Lives Matter oh, protests. Hypocrisy versus what went down at Congress. Now again. He's not really, he's not, it doesn't seem to be very interested in what the, like, original driver of the protest is in any of these cases. No, certainly not. Or the outcome of what people were asking for, I think, in, correct me if I'm wrong, I think with the BLM protests, it was mainly, please stop killing us for no reason. Yep. Generally speaking. Uh, And, oh, you did it again. This is upsetting to us. Please. Seriously, stop stop killing us for no reason. Versus, I love it when effects have no causes. <laughs> yeah, versus uh, <laughs> I want to be just living my life like a like a baby who's just dropped his toy behind his seat, uh, unable to see it. It's completely uh, non deterministic universe where things just happen. Things for just no happen. Reason. Yeah, you know how things just happen. Things just happen. Sometimes things just happen. That's true. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess the the reason for, for quote, what went down at Congress <laughs> was, uh, like I said, more to do with the, the president openly advocating for his own supporters to come and overturn the results of a legal election. Anyway, uh, here are some of his examples. Democrat VP-elect Kamala Harris said protesters should not let up and she set up a fundraising drive to pay for bail for the criminal terrorists who got arrested. Famous criminal supporter Kamala Harris. Democrat Congresswoman Ayanna Presley said there, quote, needs to be unrest in the streets. That's true. Democrat Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, quote, the whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Sally Cohn at CNN slash Washington Post said, quote, I don't like violent protests, but I understand them. And those wagging their fingers against violent protests need to read up on their American history. It's literally um, equivocating on that point there. Like, yep. <laughs> I don't and like them. George Christensen, I think, does actually despise it when people understand things. Mm. He doesn't care for understanding. No. It undermines his whole thing when people do. His whole deal. 
Interestingly, none of these comments in blatant support, defense, or apology of violent protests earned any of these people bans on social media. You're telling me they didn't get That's banned for saying hmm. the police shouldn't kill as many people as they do? Uh, the tech tyrants who run Facebook and Twitter are thus also hypocrites and a disgrace for silencing Trump and his supporters. And the left and fake news media have curiously never called any left-wing protest or riot in any Congress a, quote, insurrection or coup before when plenty have occurred. I feel like none of them have planned to, like, uh, take the vice president hostage. Yeah. I've just not seen that happen before. Again, I would say, like, uh, and I'm, I'm completely open to people debating the, I guess, the application of terms like insurrection and attempted coup and stuff in this case. Um, yeah, I feel like it's possibly just uh, giving it too much credence. I like like a coup. A coup kind of assumes a a, a modicum of organisation. Although you know, as as we've seen a lot of people saying when they had uh, when they had like the DC police saying, "Hey, there was just no indication that something like this was going to happen," other than like the extensive organizing of this on like open facebook groups to say this is where we are going on january the 6th and the purpose of our trip but um yeah like like i don't know the whole thing had more of a read to me of mostly people who were just there and angry and frustrated who have also been extensively misled about what has taken place um, and then a smaller group of people within that who are just full-on QAnon nut jobs uh, who were ready for the big day of executions, you know? And I think if the crowd had have had a much larger proportion of those people, uh, I could imagine the entire thing turning out much, much uglier than it did. Although, five people died. That's pretty ugly. Mm. Uh, and again... The entire purpose of this, ostensibly, and and the the thing that was you know that it was organized as was stop the steal. We are going to Washington to stop the certification of the election results, and and make sure that Donald Trump is still installed as leader. Um, so so you know I think we can all kind of quibble about the the organization. Uh, the very specific application of, of terms and the dictionary definitions and everything. But I think in spirit, this one definitely had much more of a, uh, we would like to ignore the outcome of an election and keep our, our big orange strongman dipshit in for life, you know? So these are some of uh, George's examples. Uh, between 2017 and 2020, the Senate offices have been occupied three times by mobs of leftist protesters protesting various things. From the Solomaini drone stroke uh, to border security to Kavanaugh. He has uh, misspelled both Solomaini and Kavanaugh. Oh, well done. And uh, it's written drone stroke, which I choose to interpret as some kind of like new smart sex toy. <laughs> uh, here it comes. <laughs> Between 2017. Oh. None of this was labelled insurrection or terrorist. Instead, we had several Democratic senators join the occupation of the Hart Building, and it was declared that, quote, this is what democracy looks like. In 1996, leftists rioted, assaulted police, and broke into the Australian Parliament and vandalised it. 
After attending a nearby peaceful protest which the Labour movement organised and at which the then Labour leader spoke. No media outlet called it an insurrection or a coup attempt. Hmm. So, just a quick check on that one. Was that whole deal, like them going going in there and vandalising Parliament, that sort of thing, was it like one uh, to try and overturn the result of an election? Uh, two, was it um, legitimised by the, by the wishes and, and words and actions of the current sitting leader of the nation? Just check, just quick, quick check on those. Um, if we can get the ABC fact checked on on that, Not to my knowledge. Hmm. Also, just this is from nineteen ninety six. He's like, in. well, so this well, time they said Trump blamed it, but twenty four years ago, presumably the same people didn't. Like, fucking come on, man! <laughs> just taking the piss yeah. at this point. This, uh, some of the same people that you're talking about were in primary school at the time. <laughs> yeah, and did they? Did they decry it then? I think not. Checkmate. Yet, the Australian media have blamed Trump with the situation in the US. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Now, we could not possibly leave without checking in with um, our biggest dipshit of all. This is, of course, Miranda Devine, who has been writing in the New York Post for the last year or so. Um... We have extensively covered some of Miranda's exploits in the past on episode 22, uh, the dipshit dossier. And so she's she's a, a big-time idiot of the Australian yeah, press. If I had to describe her, her brain is made of the same matter that they put inside those incense bowls um, that the Catholic priests light up and swing around them. Mm-hmm. That's that's Miranda Devine is the anthropomorphic uh, equivalent of that. And but uh, but I guess the thing that makes uh, Miranda Devine very different compared to some of these other people is that Trump actually reads her shit and watches her on the news. Uh, very cool. He over the last couple of months um, he had been like retweeting and quote tweeting her stuff onto. Uh, onto his Twitter account, which I'm sure gave Miranda the rockingest orgasms of her life. And it, I, I don't know whether she accepts that pleasure ex- exists. Only, only this one kind, and that's being okay. noticed by Senpai. Um, and yeah, I, I assume as well that part of this is because she she has been, I think, one of the most like just openly, bizarrely dedicated to Trump writers out there, you know? And it is and it is even weirder that she's Australian, you know? Like, that's uh, actually... It's super weird. That's to put her in the New York Post so anyone would read it. Because it doesn't make sense for someone to be writing in, like, uh, this, the Daily Telegraph or the Herald Sun or whatever every week about glorious leader Donald Trump. Uh, so they got her over there instead. And she writes, uh, from the Senate to Mike Pence, Trump destroys the party on the way out the door. The storming of the U.S. Capitol yesterday by a group of fired up Trump supporters was a tragedy for the Republican Party, for conservatives and populist nationalists. What a shame. And for Donald Trump and his legacy. Now, okay, so straight off the bat with that paragraph, we're thinking to ourselves, ah, Miranda's finally coming around. Big tragedy for the right wing, for the Republican Party, all these things. Yeah, and for the nation, I, I assume. No. No. 
because the nation is half composed of the scum that we would all like to see put to the sword. Um, so let's find out why that is a tragedy. <clears throat> it has bestowed the great gift of the moral high ground on the most undeserving people in the world, Joe Biden and the left, which I would note are two distinct groups here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And also, why does she believe that the uh, that the Republicans name one thing that the Republicans should uh, carry the moral high ground on? Name a single thing. And, of course, the answer there is, you know, stopping people from having abortions or what have you. That's, that's it. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, that um, being, being brave enough to pretend there isn't a pandemic happening, mm-hmm. some of that kind of thing. So, she continues, uh, they now have a free pass to persecute their ideological enemies while enacting their pet cultural Marxist projects. And changing yep. this country irrevocably for the worst. Uh, so, I assume you still have DuckDuckGo open. Just type in, where does Miranda Devine live? Where does Miranda Devine live? Uh, she lives in Sydney. Hmm. Uh, Sydney, Australia. Sorry. I should be yep. just quick on that. So, changing this country. This I'm, country. Not like Sydney, Arkansas or Sydney, Michigan. Or no, no, not one of those <laughs> Sydney, ones. Idaho. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, I, I would hate for um, noted Marxist Joe Biden to do his, his cultural Marxist projects on me yep. in a country that I don't live in. They will be unimpeded by a Senate now in Democratic control thanks to Tuesday's Georgia runoff debacle. And I'm sure we'll see some um, some Marxist projects, cultural or or perhaps maybe uh, economic. The thing that the only thing that Marxism applies to. It's just, um, well, actually, I'm sorry. She just has emerging? moved to New York. Uh, I think the thing saying she lives in Sydney is old. Actually, she uh, moved oh, to New she's York for the job. She has moved to New York. Yes. My, my apologies. You can call it this country. Everything else. Well, not good. Apologies of the show. Yeah, we have to apologize to. Um, Conservative Catholic Miranda Devine. We will be sending an edible arrangement uh, <laughs> to her fourth floor walk up in New York uh, as an apology. For Georgia, we can blame Trump's irrational efforts to overturn the November election result and a clueless GOP establishment which offered Peach State voters two candidates so cartoonishly wrong for the times they may as well have begged the MAGA base to stay home. <laughs> Is she saying that the that the candidates there were not populist enough? Well, she describes the candidates as a guy who made his money outsourcing jobs to China and a Literally wealthy Trump. and a wealthy elitist with a fake southern accent. Literally Trump with a fake southern <laughs> accent. And this is somehow different to the standard Republican somehow senator. Different. This is some, somehow different to every GOP uh, candidate. Yeah, it's like when Ted Cruz puts on a cowboy hat, and you have to be like, "Yep." Damn. Absolutely, that man. That man could split a log. <laughs> oh, boy. That, that, that man could split my log. <laughs> Trump's, Trump's sabotage of the Georgia runoffs and his rabble-rousing Stop the Steel rally in Washington yesterday were a catastrophe for his followers. Or for the country. It's just, you know. But again, it's not, it's not about everybody. It's about her side. They have justified the outlandish criticism of his enemies for the past four years. You know, the past four years that yeah, where, past, where nothing, nothing happened. Years. Nothing happened in that time. Just everyone was really critical of them the whole time. And now we've had this one completely isolated incident. I think. 
Oh, that four years of sowing? Fine. All this reaping, though. Very, uh, b- very bad look. Not good. Uh, his good works will be undone. And there's simply no point in listing them out all, all, all here. <laughs> Let's take them as read. Yeah. Take them as read. It's a word limit, um, kind of a little bit a little bit behind the curtains here. You can't just you can't just fill a document with the good things that Trump has done. You'd be there all day, people are sick about of hearing about them. You know how we've spent the last four years just ruminating on success after success. His good deeds, which I assume we're all completely familiar with and have committed Mm -hmm. to memory by now. And no one will be there to protect them. Well, that much is true. He will be gone and his people will reap the whirlwind. God, I hope. Again, what, what level of brain science do you have to be on to be acting at this point of everything as though you believe or ever believed that Donald Trump was going to be some great savior protecting and helping his most diehard supporters. Oh my goodness. The footage of yesterday's Capitol break-in will be played on eternal loop by Trump-hating media as evidence that the populist nationalist movement which propelled Trump to power was a dangerous aberration that must never be allowed to rise again. I hate it when evidence of a thing is presented as evidence of a thing. It's, it's almost unfair, isn't it? It is so unfair when you take the things that have resulted because of my words and action and use them against me. Wow, people are going to present evidence of a populist nationalist movement, um, like doing psychotic things and killing people in the streets and storming US government buildings as evidence that it's dangerous and bad. Of course, it was wrong for tr- pro-Trump protesters to break into the U.S. Capitol and wander around with their flags. It only took awfully a, generous of you to say so. <laughs> only took a ten paragraphs to get there. To saying, "Oh, also that was wrong." They shouldn't have trespassed and fought police and broken windows. Although, I be- oh, it's the property. It's the property that that's bad. I believe we can upgrade that one to killed police as well. Yep. Because uh, that cop apparently got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and died a day or two later. They shouldn't have trespassed and killed police and broken windows. Those selfies they took on the house floor, or in the case of one bearded man sitting in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's evacuated office with his feet on her desk, were dumb and self-incriminating. So, is the problem that they shouldn't have done it in the first place, or that they have foolishly made it easier to be charged? I hope they were worth it, because you know they won't receive the kid glove treatment that BLM Antifa received with last year's mostly peaceful protests. Mm. Again, that didn't happen. Um. They didn't throw bricks at police or burn buildings to the ground or beat innocent passersby, senseless. Hey, what happened before the uh, bricks thrown at police, which really... uh, Not not a thing, uh, and burnt the police building? What happened just before that? Well, I'm not sure. Um, she- just uh, just before that, that that occurred. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Anything that, that perhaps relating to the police. Um, just kindly kind of skipping over the fact that um, we have, you know, on camera uh, members of the police force leaving piles of bricks uh, to incite violence um, around and then just going back and hopping back in their police cars and driving off. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, she continues, uh, they will have the book thrown at them because it's not the crime you commit that matters anymore. It's who you are. Um, Mm. here's a few headlines about that, actually, from insider.com. 
Two Black Lives Matter demonstrators are facing life in prison. Experts say the deeply disturbing potential sentences are a, quote, unprecedented form of government overreach. Seven protesters in Salt Lake City were briefly facing life in prison after prosecutors said they covered the district attorney's office with red spray paint. Nothing like a life sentence for some red spray paints. The charges have since been downgraded, although the protesters still face 5 to 15 years behind bars. Uh, from The Guardian, more than 10,000 people have been arrested around the US during the protests as police forces regularly use pepper spray, rubber bullets, tear gas and batons on protesters, media and bystanders. A Denver, Colorado police officer was fired for posting on Instagram, quote, Let's start a riot. In New York City, video surfaced of NYPD officers pointing a gun at protesters, driving an SUV into a crowd of protesters, swiping a protester with a car door, an officer flashing a white supremacy symbol, and other officers shoving a woman to the ground which left her hospitalized. Several protesters and bystanders around the US have been left hospitalized from rubber bullet wounds, beanbags, tear gas canisters and batons, while police have reportedly torn down medical tents and destroyed water bottles meant for protesters. Oh, I hate to see a group getting that kid gloves treatment. Getting the softly softly, you know? Anyway, she continues, As bad as the Capitol Hill anarchy yesterday looked, we shouldn't be surprised after the way leftist violence was condoned most of last year. Literally, literally didn't happen. You let the genie out of the bottle, there's no telling where it goes. So she's very nicely mirroring Trump's attitude here. Uh, the violence is bad, but also you are right to be angry and the other side did it first and they would do it worse to you if you got the chance. So really, when you think about it. Joe Biden's attempt at being a teleprompter statesman condemning the protest was laughable. Does he think we forgot he sat by benignly as his supporters torched American cities for months leading up to the election? No, not his supporters. Separate, separate group. Same as above. Hmm. Yep. Uh, suddenly, the same politicians and media squawkers who turned a blind eye to actual violence, arson, and murder are big advocates of law and order. Give me a break. Again, it's the people getting getting murdered by the law and order. Yep. Uh, it yep. seemed to be more of a problem with uh, the police who are responsible for enforcing law and order being the ones who are repeatedly caught out breaking the law, committing murder, uh, assault, all kinds of stuff. On a seemingly constant basis, theft as well. Yeah, while, while also holding all of the power, experiencing no consequence whatsoever, yep. um, and just being able to do that unchecked. That's sort of like, that's sort of kind of a bit about of, of what protesting is sort of about, huh. if you will. Um, whereas this one uh, is very, it's very different for some reason. She says, yesterday wasn't all about overturning the election result, as much effort as Trump has put into that doomed project over the last two months. Frustration among his supporters has been building to a boiling point for four years, as every power base conspired to subvert his 2016 <laughs> election win and hobble his presidency. Remember how every power base uh, conspired to subvert him? Remember how, like, every single government department has said, okay... All right, we'll do we'll do that thing. Um, we'll, we'll just have you know the the FCC just we'll, we'll clear that out. Put someone else at the at the top. We'll continue to just destroy uh, the environmental agencies across the country, um, and and experience no no repercussions whatsoever. We'll just change uh, weather forecasts live, and then you know uh, 
not not have anything happen. Yeah. But I'm sure there's probably an example that she can give as well. Anyway, becoming what you hate isn't the answer. Nor is burning down the Republican Party in the vain hope that a new party more to your liking somehow will rise like a phoenix from the ashes. We would hate it also if you burnt down the Republican Party. We would also, on the left, we would, we would really super hate that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be tempted. Uh, the other answer isn't attacking Trump's most loyal ally, without whom he probably never would have been elected, Mike Pence. There were a lot of egregious moments yesterday, but probably the most unfair was when Pence became MAGA enemy number one. There was even a call for the Capitol invaders to arrest the vice president. That is entirely Trump's fault. He has been bullying, cajoling, and gaslighting Pence. That's not what wow. gaslighting is. Yep. It's, it's real now to... Uh, <laughs> it's real now. To help him out of the dead end that he found himself in with two weeks to inauguration day. Trump referred to Pence no fewer than seven times in his rally speech on the ellipse yesterday. Quote, I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do. Uh, but Pence quite properly refused to demand that he block Congress's confirmation of Biden as president yesterday. Uh, having failed to prove your case in court after trying for two months, you can't load the entire weight of unrealistic expectations onto Pence at the last minute. In his last days as president, Barack Obama honored Vice President Biden with the Medal of Freedom. In his last days as president, Trump kicked Pence in the teeth. It's wrong, and he should apologize for it, along with everything else that happened yesterday. Yeah. You know famously that word that Trump loves to say? Oh, my bad. I just... Uh, yeah. Also, it's it's so good being able to see just like a... Such a um, a pivot just completely manufactured in real time. Like, she's just positioning herself as if she's the, you know, arbiter of, of what's good and real in the world and not just trying to hang on to, you know, some sort of relevance because she's been backing Trump for so many years and that has uh, clearly not gone great for her. Um, so... The obvious thing, the only thing left is to pivot to um, viable candidate and bellwether uh, Mike Pence. <laughs> oh, my. Good luck. Have fun. And, and you know, it's, it's also a very nice, um, a nice kind of encapsulation of what has been happening across the political right wing at the moment, which is every... Every person who has spent the last four years dedicating all of their energy to supporting Trump because it was getting them what they wanted, uh, now turning around at the absolute last minute in the last two weeks of it all and saying, hey, actually, that's not cool, man. Hey. Yeah, we loved all of the things you've done, but now... Because uh, that, that's all on record. We got that on paper where we, we said that the things you were doing were good. Uh, but now, when it appears that uh, suddenly your power is no longer going to help me in my career. That's no good. I don't like that. Suddenly. Don't care for it. Mike Pence, the man who has been completely uh, loyal to Donald Trump, enabling all of his worst impulses for four years straight. Mm -hmm. Wow, he just gets cast aside at the end as though his loyalty meant huh. nothing. 
It's so weird. As though Donald Trump has never cared about any of these people one iota beyond what they can do for him in the immediate moment. And that's a shock. That's a shock to me, a person who writes about this professionally. She wraps it up saying, He has two weeks left to persuade his supporters to put the 2020 election behind them and focus on the real fight ahead, winning back the House in 2022 and the White House in 2024. Everything else is a distraction. Oh, for sure, man. Good luck. Good luck. Mm -hmm. For sure. That is going to happen. And I'm excited for it to happen. I am excited for Donald Trump. I'm so excited for Donald Trump to come back. And even though he's got no, it's like not going to personally help him in any way, shape or form for him to come back and say, you know, hey, uh, you know, maybe we need to be doing some forward thinking things. Uh, like things that don't involve me. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I can't. I, I think we'll see it. I think it's going to happen for sure, man. For for sure, that's going to happen. Imagine, it's- imagine even like the the concept of Donald Trump like doing an address in which he says, "Hey, but this isn't about me. This isn't about me. <laughs> We're taking a break from the haters and losers." I've been writing about this man for years now, and this is what I expect to see. Very funny. Well, I think that's all we have time for this week. Um, it's probably time for Theo to, like, have, I don't know, maybe a 20-minute long restless nap, Ooh, and then he wakes little, up from it feeling more tired than yeah, a little kip, when he went and in. Yeah, uh, And then my baby will start uh, shouting, shouting his demands. And that's the NQE system. Yep. We love to see it. Ben. Mm-hmm. Just checking you're still there. Oh, I'm still here. Yeah, that's good. Don't want you to go anywhere. Sorry, I just I did get distracted by um, a friend of the show, Dave, just made a beautiful piece of fan art of the show, very specifically <laughs> making fun of a very specific mispronunciation Theo accidentally made uh, in the bonus episode we recorded. And I'll let Theo find that one on his own time. But, oh, uh, good. Cool, out thank you. Theo loves that sort of thing. Yeah, I love it. I love I love pronouncing words. I love remembering words. I love forgetting words again. Mm. Yeah. This one, I think, was not so much a not knowing how it's pronounced as in it was just a slip of the tongue, but it was quite funny. Well, uh, yeah, that's about it for us. And don't forget that if you want to pick up, like, a say, a T-shirt, a mug, a sticker, something like that, you can go to shop.buntavista.com. You can click some buttons. Uh, possibly put in some personal details. I don't really care where it gets sent to. As long as we get that cash, baby. <laughs> hey, someone will get a nice shirt. And isn't that what counts? Maybe yeah. maybe you just want to have something posted out to whoever. You know, that's none of my business. Some random person to get a wrongly sized t-shirt for a podcast they've never heard of. Oh. I better check this out. Maybe maybe that'll be the perfect introduction <laughs> to the new, show. A new advertising strategy. Who knows? Who knows? Shop.buntavista.com. Check it out. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.